0: Well, if this is your first Sunday, this is a fantastic Sunday to be here. Uh, We are going to dive into two new books, uh, one on Sunday and one in our life groups. Um, If you haven't noticed, our beautiful signs up here that Jillian has made. um, Anyway, Sunday, we're going to start through the book of Deuteronomy, and then in our life groups, we're going to start going through the book of 2 Timothy together. Uh, So it's going to be a nice new month, diving into God's Word and allowing God To put his word in us so that we can be his people. Um, So let me pray and then we'll kind of dive into this book of Deuteronomy. Lord God, thank you for this morning. Thank you just for your worshipful presence here this morning. And God, we just yield this time to you. God, we ask you that you would put in us your word and your life and your way of seeing things. So, Father, we just yield ourselves to you come before you before your word speak to us in jesus name amen amen well uh, intro kind of a uh, little analogy um have you ever have you ever walked into a room and forgotten why you went there yes happens to me weekly uh you get up i was like i gotta get up and get something you get to wherever you think you were kind of going and then you're like man what in the world am i here for and a lot of times what do you do you have to go back to that spot, right? you got to go back to that spot. And you're like, okay, wait, oh, oh that's what it was. And you kind of remember, and you go on your way, right? Well, that's exactly what is going on with the nation of Israel at the time of Deuteronomy. They had wandered the desert for 40 years, and I'll spit up with the whole story. But they have been wandering in the 40, uh, desert in the 40 years, and they're now at a place to now enter into the promised land. Uh, And so, uh, really, they needed this book of Deuteronomy. It reminded them of their past and it prepared them for their future. This new generation of desert wanderers were about to enter the promised land, but before they could move ahead, they needed to recall and emblazon upon their minds and their hearts who God is, what his faithfulness is, what his law is, and the precious heritage God had given them. As they would reflect on his faithfulness, they would build faith for the future. And so Deuteronomy is the last book the first five books of the Bible called the Torah. And the Torah, um, yeah, it's something that if you were an elementary student, it would be the one book that you would memorize. That's it. That was the, it was the nuggets, the golden keys from God and his word that you could build a life on and that you could build a life that honors him, that reflects his ways, and glorifies him to not only uh, you and your family and your tribe, but to the foreign nations. Uh, This was written um, probably around the exile, but it takes time uh, in 1406 B.C. In Deuteronomy, we have a second giving of the law. That's what Deuteronomy, Deutero, second,onomy, law, second giving of the law. And uh, anyway, it's not giving a new law. It's just an exposition of what was already given in Mount Sinai. And so a lot of Deuteronomy is going to cover kind of the Ten Commandments and it's going to expound out the Ten Commandments in the big section of the book. Um, Deuteronomy consists of three addresses Moses gives to the nation of Israel before they go into the Promised Land. It's 40 days before they head into the promised land, and Moses stands up and gives them three, arguably eight, but the last is a bunch of them all together, and they're shorter. But anyway, three addresses from Moses, his last impartation before they go into the promised land. Because of Moses' disobedience, he can't go, and so he passes the baton off to Joshua to take them in. But before they go, Moses calls the people of God to remember who they are and why they're here. Just so you're not in a lost room, not knowing why we're going into the promised land, I need to get you back to where you remember who you are and why you're here. So, um, a key verse, Deuteronomy 6. Here's some themes. Some key themes is to remember. Don't forget. Deuteronomy 6.12 says this, Take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. This constant theme over and over again, don't forget. Don't forget who your God is. Don't forget the God that rescued out of slavery and brought you into this promised land. He's a God that's going to hold true to his promises. Another theme is obedience. Another theme is obedience. Obedience. Not just hearing the word, but obeying God is what matters. Obedience to God's way versus the ways of the gods and idols of other nations. God's promise to those who would obey and God's consequences to those who don't. And we're going to get into some blessings and curses that are conditional upon man's obedience to God. So what's the outlier? The last uh, theme is uh, preparation for the next generation. Uh, Deuteronomy Thirty nineteen through 20 another key verse it says i call on heaven and earth this is moses speaking i call on heaven and earth to witness against you today that i've set before you life and death blessing and curse therefore choose life that you and your offspring may live loving the lord your god obeying his voice and holding fast to him for he is your life and length of days that you may dwell in the land that the lord swore to give your fathers to abraham to isaac to jacob To give them. Choose life. It's echoed throughout this whole book. Before you, there's a choice. Life and death. A life of blessing or a life of curse. And Moses is like, it's on you. Choose life. And then the last major theme, like I said, is preparation for the next generation. All right, here's the outline of the book. Deuteronomy 1 through 4, they're looking back. He's reminding them of where they're at then in chapters 5 through 26 it's basically he's re-giving them the law but he's expanding out the 10 commandments in kind of a unique way and then lastly deuteronomy 27 34 they're looking ahead what will god do here's god's promises to you if you go on the land and obey so there's a little setup background as to this book of Deuteronomy. Let's dive in. Deuteronomy 1, verse 1. It says, These are the words that Moses spoke to all Israel beyond the Jordan in the wilderness. So they're not yet in the promised land, but these are Moses' words to the nation of Israel. And right from the start, Moses begins recounting Israel's history leading up to this point. He begins at Mount Sinai, reminding them that God is the one who rescued you out of Egypt and gave you his way, his law. And then in Deuteronomy 1.8, then God said, see, I've set the land before you. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to them and their offspring after them. So here's this call. They're all down in Sinai. There's about a million plus down in Sinai, and then they go up north. There's a little map here as to their little journey. So as you can see, they're kind of starting over in Egypt uh, on the left side there. And as they leave, they go down uh, the bottom of the Sinai Peninsula to where Mount Sinai is. And then they hear this word, go up and take possession. And so that's what they do. They start traveling up north to take possession. And you can see the wilderness of Zin up there. That's where they kind of get up to. And uh, they, that is an 11-day journey basically up there but they didn't enter for another 40 years see at their first place where they went up to the promised land Moses rallies 12 spies one spy from each of the 12 tribes and they go into the promised land to spy out the land and as they go they come back with a report and the report's kind of mixed two guys Joshua and Caleb have this kind of faith disposition about them. They said, hey, God told us that he was going to give us their land no matter how big they are, no matter what obstacles they may present, God is going to give them into our hands. But then the ten come back. They, there's ten of them, much louder than the two voices with the faith report. Ten of them come back with a super bad, intimidating, I'm, we're, we're so filled with fear report They said, there's no way we can go into that land. There's giants in the land. Their enemies are way too big. There's no way we can go in there and defeat. And the nation of Israel listens to that report of the ten. And they said, there's no way we can do this. And so God is like, you're not ready yet. And he kicks them back out into the wilderness for 40 years. And this is what he said, Deuteronomy 126 says, so yet you would not go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. And you murmured in your tents and said, because the Lord hated us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to give us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Where are we going up? Our brothers have made our hearts melt, saying, these people are greater and taller than me, than we. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. And besides, we have seen the sons of the Anakim there, which we'll get into in a second. Then I said to you, do not be in dread or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight for you, just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes and in the wilderness where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you as a man carried his son all the way that you went until you came to this place. Yet in spite of this word, you did not believe the Lord your God who went before you in the way to seek out a place to pitch your tents. And fire by night and in the cloud by day to show you by what way you should go the Lord heard your words and was angered and he swore not one of these men of this evil generation shall see the good land that I swore to give your fathers except Caleb and Joshua only reason why they could enter is because they came back with a faith report that was in agreement with God they were already ready to go into the promised land the rest of the nation was not So God kicks them back into the wilderness, and he says, until that generation of men who are so captivated by fear, we're going to wait. You're not ready yet. And so he kicks them kind of back out into the wilderness, and God provides water and manna for them. Even in kind of a consequence, God is still the provider. I'm still providing water. I'm still providing for my people, but I'm going to train you up to be my people. Not just a people, but my people. And so they came, they wandered, go back to that map, kind so they came back down uh, to Paran, that's, that's where that is. Anyway, and then they kind of go back up, and then they kind of go around Moab, and then they find themselves up against two major enemies. It's not technically in the promised land yet. But there's these two enemies that God leads them up to to fight and to get victory over. And there's these two kings, one named Shion and another named Og. How about that for your name, Og? Og Oggy? No. I don't know about Og. O.G. He's the original O.G. Anyway, sorry, dad joke. Okay. Um, But actually, if you read the story, Og is a giant. And we get into, uh, in the book of Deuteronomy, the land and the world of giants. If you don't know uh, your archeological history, there's there's tons of archeological evidence of giants, and there's giants in these lands. These were a mixed race of demons and women and of mankind that we find in Genesis 6. They're still around in the promised land, even after the flood. They're still around. And those enemies are so intimidating to the nation of Israel. That's why they didn't go in the promised land the first place. They've been wandering, but God leads them to these people. Shion, it didn't. There wasn't any evidence of giants, but Og is a giant himself. There's no evidence that there's any other giants other than Og himself. But there's this kind of in, there's this initiation the nation of Israel needed to kind of go through, which is getting victory over giants. Because there's giants in the promised land. And that's what I'm asking you to kind of go take dominion over in the promised land. This new generation needed to be reminded of God's great power and provision over strong enemies so that their faith might be undergirded to go in and possess the promised land. So the fact that Israel defeated these two pagan kings on the east side of the Jordan demonstrated that if they were obedient, they could defeat their enemies on the west side. Of the Jordan. So, not only did the victories over strong enemies encourage the next generation of Israel, but they discouraged the pagans and resulted in one pagan turning to Yahweh, which was Rahab, which we find in Joshua 2. It says, For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water in the Red Sea before you when he came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to Shion and Og, who you utterly destroyed. There was a testimony from the victory of God that he had given to the Israelites, that their reputation covered all of Canaan, all of the promised land. And so he's recounted their history. We're now at the front door of the promised land. Different front door than when we approached the first time, but little side note, the second door, there's a battle in Numbers 33. 30, Uh, It's a reference from this week that I didn't write down. Um, There was a battle in Numbers 33, I believe, in the very city that they're stationed in before they go into the promised land that they lost previously. But it was the very spot that God said, this is the spot that I'm going to send you out. And he redeemed that spot. So anyway, after Moses reviews their history thus far in the wilderness, he ends his first address with this. Deuteronomy 4, 6-9, says, Keep them and do them. For what will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord your God is to us? Whenever we call upon him, And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I've set before you today? Then verse 9. Perk your ears up. He says this. He says, Take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and to your children's children. This... Final charge in this first address by Moses is like, you need to take care and keep watch over your soul. Keep and do. Again, we see the reiter- reiteration by Moses of the need to guard the truth and be faithful to God. It reminds me of the last words of Paul. He says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, which we're getting to in Life Group, but it says, follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in the Faith and love that are in Jesus Christ, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within you, guard the good deposit that's been entrusted to you. That there's this been deposit, nation of Israel, to you by God, and it's on you to steward it. Not only would Israel's obedience assure God's blessing on their endeavor to possess the land, but his good hand of blessing on them would be like a megaphone shouting to the pagan nations. Our God is the true and living God, the omnipotent one, a truth that stands in dramatic tra- contrast to the impotent, dead, deceptive idols that we so willingly give our soul to, sir. Then he says, make them known to your children's children. Again, another, another recurring theme we find. Make them known. It's parents' job before the Lord to instruct and educate their children before the Lord. Spiritual education. Not only are parents responsible, but so are grandparents. Any grandparents in here. I know there's a couple. Hey, it's on you to impart into the, your children's children. So get in there. Alexander Solzhenitsyn says, "There's an aphorism." He who forgets his own history is condemned to repeat it. If we don't know our own history, we will simply have to endure all the same mistakes, sacrifices, and absurdities all over again. When we lose truth, you have to grind truth out again. So might as well not lose it in the first place. Israel's obedience to God's law would provide a testimony to the world God was near to his people and that his laws were righteous. One purpose of the law was to make Israel morally and spiritually unique among all the nations of the world and therefore draw those nations to the true and living God. And living obedience, living in obedience to God, Israel from the mind of God, Israel would become a countercultural force in a manner of life and living and lifestyle, in a manner of government, in a manner of, of, of society and how it's built and how it needs to be built to lend to human flourishing. We are found in a system that leads to its demise. One might expect that God would give this nation before they go into the promised land, they're going to come up against some severe battles, some big battles that they've never had to expand their faith to that level for, for the victory. And so you'd think that God would give them some tactics, some strategy, right? The one thing that they would probably, they felt that they would need is a strategy by God. And so instead of giving them a strategy, Moses imparts to them having a heart for God. Because that is the most important thing that will give you victory in life. Over any kind of strategy may devise. So, if Israel was to live and go in and join and take possession of the land, Israel needed to hear what God had to say. His decrees and his laws were about to be taught, which we'll get into next week. And the people would uh, would be well advised to follow them, since their future success, either in battle or elsewhere, would depend upon His blessing. Must pay close attention to their allegiance to Yahweh and their obedience to Yahweh. And we kind of know a little bit, just as a little spoiler alert, Israel doesn't fulfill or live up to these commands by God. And it's just interesting is that their allegiance to Yahweh and obedience to Yahweh. It wasn't so. It's not like they forgot the name of God when they got into the promised land. It's that God got put so far back on their radar because of the prosperity in this land, because of the fruitfulness of this land. It's like as if God was no longer a part of life. And like Israel, God wants to bring you into a promised land. Living in the kingdom of God, adopted into his family, filled with the Spirit of God, having abundant life so you can go be a blessing to other people and glorify your Father in heaven. But like we, like the Israelites, must be willing to face all our opponents in obtaining the inheritance. Israel needed to fight all their opponents before they could get into the promised land. God wants you to fight all your opponents and have victory over all of them. And so if there's an area in your life that you're just like, God, I'm, af- I'm afraid of trusting you in this area. Or God, I really need victory in this area in my life. I've, I've wandered the wilderness for years. And some of you, these battles that you have yet to get victory over, it's as if you've been wandering in the wilderness and your heart is crying out for the promised land. Your heart is crying out for victory. Your heart is crying out of like, God, I don't want to go back to Egypt. I don't want to go back to slavery but I'm in this kind of like weird middle where I know I don't have complete victory. God wants to bring you into, you, into a place in your life where you know you have complete victory in areas of your life. And so as praying, you know, as we kind of land today, it's just like, God, is there anything in us that we're holding on to, or God, we want it our way, or God, we, there's this thing in our life that just we cannot get victory over. I feel like before we move on in this book of Deuteronomy, God wants us to kind of walk through like the nation of Israel in this. Because the the Old Testament is the New Testament revealed. The journey of the Israelites is the journey of you and me. It's that we found ourselves in slavery and God delivered us out through the waters of baptism into a promised land. But God does not want you wandering in the wilderness longer than you need to just like Joshua and Caleb who had that faith report right from the beginning. They were already ready to go into the promised land. So I feel like God is saying to us, let's have hearts that are ready to enter that promised land. That know that God has given us victory over these couple devils. He's going to give us victory over all of them. In Jesus' name. So, is there something in your life that you need to face or address before the Lord before He will let you move on in Him? That's the question. Let's pray. Father, God, is there anything that you need us to face and address before we can move on in You? God, if so, what is that? Speak to us, Lord. So Lord, I just pray that you would take these things, and Father, drive a stake in them in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray that you would just deal a death blow to these things in our life, once and for all. That we would yield them to you, where you are King and you are our leader. And God, we're giving this and resigning it over to you completely. Father, we pray that you we would have hearts that live in a promised land of your kingdom. Lord, even in the midst of darkness, God, that we can live in light and be your light and live above the schemes of the enemy. And Father, I pray that, Lord, those things in our hearts that we are prone to, that we're holding on to, that, Lord, is the things that we turn to, God, when we need to feel whole, Father, I pray right now that you would break those, God, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. And God, I pray that you would pour into that area your grace, fruitfulness, a sense of life. Father, we thank you for this journey of Israel. And God, I pray that as we journey with them in this next month in the book of Deuteronomy, God, that you would reveal to us your ways and that we here today could be your people in a much unique time as it was in Deuteronomy. So, Lord, we thank you, God, for your word. Let us be your church this week. Bring life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, with that, have a fantastic rest of your Sunday. Go Chiefs. See you next Sunday. We hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman he's called you to be now and to see his kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, please visit us online at citylifekc.org and we'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.